TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Three and one. And Garver drives it to left. It is deep and long gone. Into the second level. And the Twins take a 3-0 lead. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and the Score North first place Twins show. I'm Rami Makloff along with Judd Zolgad, Derek Wetmore, whose thoughts and musings on the Twins you can read at scorenorth.com, and Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And plenty to get into when it comes to the Minnesota Twins uh, this hour and, and when we talk about this season. But are you guys still... Are you guys still surprised by this baseball team or are 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 we now are we now all coming to the realization that they are this good and it is indeed <laughs> happening? Yes. I'm surprised. I mean, we can fight about this whether it's going to continue or not, but <laughs> I'm surprised each time that, you know, Martin Perez goes out there and looks like an ace. Like that's surprising to me. There's no amount of uh conditioning I think in the 2019 season that will Get me off of that. Well, let me ask you guys this, and you out there listening, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at SKOR North. That's how you follow us on all the various social media and digital platforms at SKOR North. What's been most surprising about this Minnesota Twins team in 2019? John, I'll start with you. There's a few things for me. Uh, the, the starting pitching certainly has been. Perez has been shockingly good. Oda Rizzi's a guy who, you know, keep, keep in mind, there were big expectations for him when they acquired him a year ago, February from Tampa Bay, and he came here and was disappointing. He had a, a few good starts. He, you know, started the the opener in Baltimore and was great. And you thought to yourself, okay, that this is going to work out fantastic, possibly, mm-hmm. and, and it didn't. So, I would say my first thing is starting pitching because I expected Burials to be very good. Beyond that, I think we had a lot of question marks. And for Martin Perez to pitch like this, you guys, I. There is nobody, I'm sorry, right. but including Martin Perez, who, who could say, oh, yeah, this was coming. Um, and I would also say, so mining a little bit deeper, the other thing that surprises me, and I don't think it's sustainable just because it's so difficult, but if you look right now between them, Garver and Castro at catcher are hitting a combined 317, six doubles, 11 homers, 25 RBIs. Um, and their production has been incredible. And Garver's been great. Now they're catchers, and they get hurt, and they get banged up. And so it, I think it becomes a bit more difficult in the second half, probably, to sustain that success at the plate. But if you had come to me and said, okay, into May, those are going to be the the statistics of the two main guys who, who catch. And Castro was not great and got hurt. I yeah. would have said... You're crazy. Yeah, I spent a lot of time this winter saying, why aren't we a little more nervous about the catching situation? I I don't know how you much digital him, ink. You well, wanted him to get in on Yasmani Grandal, didn't you? Sure and did. Garber can see Real Muto. And, and Mitch can catch now, too. Yeah, like, I didn't buy, there's another surprise. I didn't yeah. buy that whole thing. I thought to myself, okay, he's going to be better, possibly. Yeah. But if you go back to last year... He was unplayable at times. So rewind this thing about three months, and that's when I was talking about, is the catching good enough? Mm -hmm. And, man, Jason Castro was coming off surgery. Mitch Garver was, I think you'd say, up and down 
for sure defensively as a catcher in his first you know, real full go with the Twins. And then Williams Astadio was a fun story and a nice player, but how much were you going to count on him to get? Was that going to be 20 games or 40 games or 100 games? Right. It looked incredibly thin to me, like paper mache thin, and it's been exactly the opposite. It's been the best catching situation from an offensive standpoint across the big leagues, and that that caught me totally by surprise. I was wrong. <laughs> that's That's all it means. I don't well, and you might, and and it's. I don't think that you, we should expect this to be the norm now. What Barry Bonds playing catcher for the Twins? Well, should, well I mean, <laughs> catcher, his name to catchers, Mitch Garver. catchers just don't keep this up, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, but it has been it, it the the transformation offensively, probably more so from Castro. Sure, and the transformation definitely defensively from Garver have both been way more than I could have ever expected back in March. Manny and I talked about this on Friday on mm-hmm. Five Thoughts and, and a little bit off the mic, too, that I wonder if part of the offensive production from those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, including La Tortuga, is the fact that they don't have to play every day. Like, catching is hard. There's just so much physical well, wear and tear on your body. last night. He damn near got impaled by yeah, a broken right. bat, which was that, scary. That would have been something, boys. If oh. he had to leave that game, A, that's a scary injury, CJ, potentially. CJ Crone. CJ Crone is catching. baby. Which I found out he caught in college, so yeah. actually, like, I wouldn't even be that worried about it. Like, if you can catch at that Audrey level. I told us that last night. Who's that? Audra told, told us, us that, that last night. She'd done her research, yeah. And, I, I mean, look, I look at this and I say, yeah, it's not optimal, but if that's a day, like if it's an emergency thing. Uh, Eduardo Escobar was emergency catch last year. It wouldn't have been any better. But, but back to my point on the conversation with Manny was that, like, there is this load thing. I think we pay attention to it in the NBA now, too. But baseball certainly has been behind, from my perspective, that if you're going to go out and catch five days a week, you're just going to be playing at some percentage of your optimal performance. That's just been accepted for years and years and years. As long as I've been following baseball, you've got a guy that catches 120, 130 games. And if he's like 80% of his best self, you're like, that's ah, fine. He's our starting catcher. We He's tough. We don't expect that much out of him offensively. And now I think what the Twins are saying at least is, well, hang on a second. What if Mitch Garver could be 100% of himself offensively? What if Jason Castro could be 100% of his self? He had a great offensive season with the Astros. I think it was the year before they switched leagues. I want to say it was like 2013 maybe. Mm -hmm. And then you got Williams Astadio, who is always 100% of himself offensively. I look at that and I say, maybe the Twins are on to something here. Maybe this is the start of an early trend in baseball, getting a little more rest and recovery for your catchers. It's it's like running backs in the NFL. It is. It's exactly like that. Basically, it seems like we're just trending with baseball. There are no more bell cow catchers anymore. There's not those catchers that are going to go out and catch you know, unless you're Buster Posey, which I don't even think Buster Posey at this stage in his career can do this anymore. Right. Where you just catch 140 games a year and you stay productive and healthy the entire time. It just it just doesn't really happen anymore. Manny, can you before I go, I, I want to hear what's what's been most surprising about this Twins team to you. I, w- I want to save mine for last real quick. It was mine was going to be Garver. Just okay. the, the not only the what the improvements defensively but i mean we've always known that he could hit but he's hitting at a ridiculous rate right now he's hitting what 360 something right now right i mean he's just tearing the cover off the ball right now and that is that has been just 
phenomenal for this club. You see me my uh, on pace stats, Manny. Mm-hmm. I saw that this you, morning. You, yeah. you know, you know, I love my on pace stats. Mitch Garver, right now, if you multiplied his production, it is mm-hmm. literally Barry Bonds. It's, oh, this this puts Barry Bonds to shame. Barry, who? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They start calling. What him. are you saying about Garver? So. Derek. No, I'm not making any. <laughs> I mean, these comparisons seem a little close to home. Uh, no, has, anybody no, checked no. Hat, has anybody checked his hat size from last year to this year? <laughs> not making any. Are you saying he's bulking up? Are you trying to tell no, us something that we should be? Nothing like that okay. at all. I'm Breaking. not reporting. Breaking. We Score Norbs yeah. Wetmore predicts MVP for yeah. Mitch Garner. He reminds <laughs> me of a combination of Bonds and McGuire right now with some Brady Little Sammy Anderson. Sosa in there. Yeah, yeah. mixed in. Why don't no. just go there? I, reckless speculation we love on. <laughs> This station. I will not go there for Mitch Garver. I think they've always known he was a good hitter, um, but not this good. I mean, it, I don't even think Mitch Garver would have said, yeah, this is, this sounds about right. So if you multiply his current numbers, <laughs> he's not going to get to 600 plate appearances, but just for fun, if he got to 600 plate appearances at his current rate after hitting another bomb last night, here's his on pace for 600. 63 home runs. The 127 runs scored, driving in 136, and an almost 500 WOBA, which is better than MVP production offensively. So I the Twins he, would basically have like a leadoff MVP against Lefties. I think he can do it. I don't I don't see why that's unrealistic. <laughs> Are you going to tell me he can't? I, I don't want to tell him he can't. I'd put my money down on that. No? If you I played in a dome, possibly. To, I got a bridge to <laughs> But he's going to wear down too much because the poor guy has to play outside too That's much. That's right. And he'll constantly be so worried about the skyline. Trim the, trim the Brewers right the now elements. and he'll be fine. Yeah, he, has be a, uh, he has a perfect view of that skyline from behind home plate. Boy, if, if anybody. Best seat in the house. Oh, man. He he loves that there is no roof on it. <laughs> except when so he has to yours, play Rami? 40 games in 41 days. Um, I'm excited, no. Now, all, all of yours... Very good answers and all very, very surprising. Thanks. That's really condescending, by yeah. the way. But <laughs> you guys, condescending Rami yeah. made an appearance. You guys have nice ideas, but it's about to get more condescending because this is all this is all about a roundabout way of patting myself on the back. Sure. Oh, sure. I'm I'm surprised that No pe- wonder Mackie liked you. I'm surprised that people didn't believe. I'm surprised that it took so long for people to buy in, and there are still people who didn't buy in, and there are still people who are surprised by how good this Twins team is. Before the season started, I was telling people, I don't know what you see in this Indian squad. Great starting pitching, but there really isn't a whole lot there outside of the Indians. And when it comes to the Twins, now maybe this is because I'm, I'm, I came from the outside in. So you guys have been conditioned to to wait for the other shoe to drop, so to speak, or or to not believe when it comes to the Minnesota Twins and sometimes sports as a whole around here. But having not having not experienced that, having not been conditioned in that way, I came here and I was I was reading and researching and diving into Twins baseball, and it's I was hearing a lot of the same things that I was hearing from the Brewers organization when they were making their rise after they hired David Stearns. And I think that's why I believed what they were selling. I believed in the development that of the in the coming of age of guys like Kepler and Rosario and Garver and Polanco. I believed in the free agent additions of of Scope and Cruz. And I believed in the developmental system and the infrastructure that they put in place, namely Wes Johnson and getting just a little bit more out of guys 
throughout that rotation and and throughout the pitching staff as a whole and really the roster as a whole when you look at the twins what they've done is they've they've just gotten a little bit more out of guys than they were in the past nobody is really blowing past production out of the water short of Mitch Garver unless they're they're guys who are coming of age and and finding their footing in major league baseball i under i on one hand i understand why you didn't believe and you didn't buy in but I'm I'm kind of surprised that there are still people who maybe don't believe and aren't buying into this Twins team because this is not happenstance, this is not coincidence. This is a very intricate intricately designed plan that is coming together just how they had designed hmm. it. Manny Judd, I feel like that deserves a round of applause. Thank you. I feel like let's I just appreciate let's it. Get oh, Ronnie, stand up. Too. I know we're not streaming. I'm not but applauding I'm, I'm him. I could burst his bubble in about two seconds. Thank you. <laughs> a bow I, like what, I like what I've seen, but if you think the starting pitching is for sure going to hold up, you're crazy. So, gosh, I didn't know that Rami had that bone in him. I didn't know he had the... <laughs> Well, your guys' predictions were pretty good, but here, let me let me well, share with you how I knew all along. Don't forget, this is the guy that told us on Write That Down last Friday oh. that the Yankees thing was was a bunch of BS. And I still gonna, think so. Sweeping up. I still think so. No, they're, no, they're cursed there. I don't believe in curses, and I'm a Cubs fan. I don't believe in curses. Hang out long enough in the state. Yeah, yeah well, you, you broke yours. Turn. That's different. Hang out long enough. You know, you yeah. know what the Cubs curse yeah, was for so many years? Long. Being owned by the Tribune Company. That was the Cubs curse for all those years. <laughs> yeah, probably true. A poorly organized organization. That was their curse. Anyway, Derek, sorry. And the that, Twins aren't that. Bringing it back around to the that's Twins. Right. That's right. This was all planned. This was all designed. Well, hold on a second. Don't and I, it's coming to fruition. I'll take a little bit of, of exception there because I've explained this before. This is a two-track plan. This was hoped for. That's right. But Jonathan Scope and Crone and that entire group of guys and uh, Cruz as well, mm-hmm. they were signed with parachutes. So, sure. so this was now. I agree. If if you're talking about the plan in three years, I agree completely. I think it's well planned out. Guys are going to come up, and I think this this franchise circa two thousand what twenty one twenty two yeah. is going to be in very good shape. But this was planned out with more hope than actual assuredness. Yeah. So I don't completely agree with what you're saying about 2019. I do think you're a thousand percent right about the next wave that's going to take them to a place of being pretty stable. There was a plan B. That was something else I said when the season started, that if Buxton didn't have his right. coming out party, if Kepler-Rosario... But this is Polanco, still a pleasant surprise. It's all falling together sure. correctly, and there was no guarantee that that was going to happen. It wasn't guaranteed, but I think this was plan A. Plan B was, like you said, pull the parachute and you have some tradable pieces. This is best case. Absolutely. Yes. No this doubt. could not have gone better for the Twins so in the far. first six mm-hmm. weeks of the season. Let's be careful. Alex Kirloff, by the way, speaking of the future, is back at AA after his wrist injury. He's hitting 364 with a 500. On base, and so he's also playing first base now. Good. Correct, life is good. So for he's Crohn's, the twins. So he's now Crohn's replacement long term. Yeah, I, like right now. I kind of think Kepler that. stays in right. Buxton yeah. obviously in center, and yeah. it sounds like Kirilov's playing first base now. Which which me, which means that Remember, that there probably is also a parachute plan for the big third baseman who can't play third base for a long time. Well, we'll see. That's going to be very interesting. We'll see. I think Miguel Sanol's back in a week and in the big league lineup. And they'll rotate him through, of course. Thad Levine told us that on Monday, that When's he's going not to just going to play third. Do we think? I don't know. How many games do you think he'd probably need there? Like four or That's, five? I, like, they're very cautious. Yeah, yeah. And especially when things are going well. I they, mean, you're second they're in the more cautious than us. scored. I, 
I don't know. I think you'd race to get him back as quickly as you can, okay. as long as it's going to be safe and optimal for him to do it. Um, on the plan, though, Rami, I, I kind of side more with, I hate to say it, side more with negative Judd on this one a little bit in that this was the whole focus of my five thoughts column I published yesterday, score north and score north.com. And it's you can like, get it on the score north app. Too. It's on the, it's on the mobile app where, and all, if you listen there, you can be rewarded. All our audio and yeah. written word all within the touch of a fingertip with yeah. the score north app. It's and a great app. The more you listen, the more points you can rack up and you can actually win stuff from us. Yeah. Like if you listen anyways, you might as well listen on there and get rewarded. Subscribe to your That's favorite great. podcast. Leave a five star rating. Such a good hype, man. All your comments. I want you to follow me around. <laughs> Manny, where was that earlier? Hi, I'm Judd. I know. Actually, this is Judd Zolgad. You can find his work at scorenorth.com and, and his podcast at scorenorth.com and the Apple app. And uh, what you were saying about uh, your five thoughts column. Y- yeah, thank yes. you. Uh, we needed... That uh, was awesome. We needed... Uh, some framework of this because this is great. 10 games over 500. Oh my gosh. This is the best start that I've covered mm-hmm. for the Twins. And it's all good. It's all positive. But what I wrote was essentially that they set themselves up this winter to be in it. They wanted to be in the conversation, competitive, with the chance that if things went well, this would happen. Mm-hmm. And now what's amazing is not just one or two things went According to plan or according to best possible case scenario, like Pretty legitimately everything, everything except, except maybe, for you Miguel could say Sano. maybe Michael Pineda, Pineda and Sano I, would be yeah. the kind of the two that I think you'd circle and say like ah that's not where we wanted that to be. But you'd take that trade off one hundred times out of one hundred, given what you've gotten from Mitch Barry Bonds Garver, given what you've gotten out of Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope, Byron Buxton. It's been nothing short of an amazing stretch of like of good breaks for the twins. So I think we got to set that up to say over the winter, they wanted like their plan was if everything goes down right down the middle, like the median outcome, they'll be in it. They'll contend with the Indians, maybe mess around with some wild card conversation. But if everything goes right, now we're talking about them as favorites to win the American League Central. And that's you know where I'm at right now. I'm glad you touched on that because. My optimism still hasn't met its limits when it comes to the Minnesota Twins. No, No. and I want to talk about that with you guys right after this. It's the Score North first place Twins show on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. More Twins talk coming up right after this. How to become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins Twins coverage on Score North and scorenorth.com. Has a tendency to strike out quite a bit if he's able to cut his strikeouts down also. Oh, back here comes Justin. It hit your coat. Yeah, I got enough balls at home. Show me something here. I'm not diving for a foul ball in the booth. It's the first time I've ever had a ball come up on the booth here. And it went three feet to your right. Yeah, if it was at me, I would have caught it. Justin Morneau, like, did you see see the replay of that? Enough diving after baseball. That thing went blazing by those guys. Uh, Justin's a thousand percent right. I wouldn't have gotten near that baseball. Gosh, he's so good now. (laughs) 
Gosh, he's so good. <laughs> how he's about, fun to watch. How about uh, uh, three games in New York of Jim Cott into oh. Morneau now? Pretty good. This has been pretty good. Glory. You know what? We're spoiled. Fox Sports North deserves a certain amount of criticism for some of its coverage of teams that is just basically gushes about stuff. The and hockey homers club. And, yeah, and yeah, because Jim Pete's fantastic. But what they're doing on the Twins now, and oh, it's I'm so guessing good. it's kudos to the Wait. Twins and Fox Sports North. They have found such a good combination of yeah, people. Yeah, well, you know who's coming in this weekend, right? Perk, right? Our guy. Perky. So is Perk in the booth? Perk's got oh, really? uh, nice. uh, pre and post, I think. Okay, see what this I weekend. want. I, what, I think this is the first here, weekend. Here's the next step. Here's what I want for home games. Let's do this. Perk and Morneau in the booth. Yes. Dick can navigate things. I don't care. Yeah. But I want and and the Mets the Mets at their height are so good at, at this with Darling who's sick right now unfortunately just diagnosed with cancer and Hernandez. Mm. Basically the play-by-play guy tells you what you absolutely need to know, does the reads and stays out of the way. And stays out of the way and mm-hmm. and Darling and Hernandez tell you things and you're like, "Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that." And you know what? Dick's pretty good at that. At just what? Stand That's out a of hot the way? take that people aren't going to want to hear because Twitter.com <laughs> no, is very negative. No, if you put him with two people, if, on, no, yeah. he backs off. That's exactly yeah. right. But I want, but as a baseball fan, as a sports fan, all I want is for people to tell me things that I don't even think of. Yeah. And guess who can do that? Yeah. Roy Smalley. Dick's good at Justin setting Justin Morneau. Scene. Jim Cott. Yep. Glenn Perkins. They tell me stuff and I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. I didn't think. <laughs> right, right. Give me Give me 10 things a game that I was just on my couch watching and yeah. I said to myself, I had no idea about that. Yes. The funny thing about that clip and when they showed the replay, like Judd said, it's it's literally it's like a, a missile. Yeah. It's flying you into that, that press box just a few feet to Morneau's right. Want that. And but if you look at Morneau, doesn't flinch. No. And that's always the case <laughs> in a major league baseball press box. You see that ball flying back there and all us, you know, media jamokes, we're all skirt we're like <laughs> We're like cockroaches when the lights just got turned on. We're scattering. But the former ball players are just like, oh, yep, there it goes. I noticed the same thing. No reaction whatsoever. I noticed the same exact thing. Absolute laser. And he's like, okay. I almost lost my life at Camden Yards one time with a foul ball. That press box is actually down closer to the action. And a an usher at in Baltimore. I can still picture his face, and I don't know how long that will be seared into my memory, but he saved my life, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just a foul ball missling after me, and I was not cool like Justin Morneau. I was filing a game story on deadline, and... Uh, he said, "Watch out!" And I looked up. And I don't. I don't sure know. Enough, I don't that can be good and bad, though. I don't know what it is about the Miller Park press box. Like if it's the angle or the trajectory from home plate, or pretty just tough how, to get foul balls. How, in no, there. it's easy to get foul balls. It seems like every game another foul ball What's is going low? in there. It's pretty low. Is it low? Yes, I, don't, I, don't I think know. it's considered I'm thinking, low. When I went there a couple summers ago, and maybe I was sitting second or third row or something like that. Yeah, and I remember not being worried about right. it. Right, Target Field, you can definitely get some. You yeah, get, I've seen some. Dents not quite one a home stand, but. Maybe every other home stand you get a foul ball in the press box. Yeah, because there, there's still the uh, I, I t- told the story last week. The dent in the ceiling or, or the break in the ceiling tile is still there from the ball that, that came was you. into the press box. Yeah, and it I think it hit the table right by me. It bounced, went upwards, hit the ceiling, broke the ceiling panel. 
like spidered it out, <laughs> and wow. it just missed me. And I'm like, <laughs> did okay, you sign that's it? Because a lot of times they'll have the player who who busted it. They'll sign it. No, I had to clean myself up. I didn't have time to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go get my adult diaper after that. I, I don't am, know what you're talking about. I am absolutely 100% team Justin Morneau on this one, and you can even hear the little bit of the disdain in his voice of like, Dick's clearly joking. Yeah. He's saying like, hey, you know, why didn't you go get it, tough guy? And Morneau's like, I think I need a Rami's, foul ball. Get Rami's out of here right with though. that. He like watched the thing go by. Get, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just and like, I would have been. I you're you're I'd not been wrong. under the desk. You remember the Ken Griffey Jr. commercials where the fa- the fastball is coming in and he's got like ten seconds to ponder life and where he left his keys <laughs> and if he left his iron on. That's Justin Morneau getting that foul ball. He's like, oh, huh, it's going by me at a rapid pace. Hey, before the break, I, I mentioned that my optimism when it comes to the Twins has has not even yet met its limits because. I watched this team, and look, Martin Perez is going to come back down to earth a little bit. Jake Odorizzi is probably going to come back down to earth a little bit. So I, I don't know that the pitching will stay at this level. But when we talk about the offense, I keep hearing people talking about this offense as if a, a decline is inevitable, that some sort of regression to the mean is is coming, that it's on the horizon. And I don't necessarily believe that. Right now the Twins lead all of baseball in slugging percentage with 487. And they're on pace. You love the on pace numbers, Derek. On pace. To hit 286 home runs. And the team record right now is 225 set back in 1963. I don't really think it's inevitable or on the horizon that those numbers are going to drop dramatically. If anything, I think those numbers could go up. We're about to see the weather get warmer, hopefully. Because they won't put a roof on it. We're about to see the weather get warmer, hopefully. Thank God. And that means balls are going to be flying out farther and faster. And I look up and down that lineup, and short of Mitch Garver, I I don't see a lot of guys up and down that lineup who are doing things that are way above their head or way above the, the production that I thought they were capable of. I don't think this offense is going anywhere. I think they'll be among the league leaders in slugging percentage throughout the season. And I don't think that 225 homer... Uh, record in terms of the the Twins franchise is safe at all. Oh, I think going to fall. They're going to smoke that number. I wouldn't be surprised, Derek. Honestly, if they were close to that 286, as, as ridiculous as that number sounds in Major League Baseball in 2019, that's not that's that right. that's not that crazy a number. I think they're going to end up at or close to that and be one of the better slugging teams in baseball through September. I mean, could they hit 300 home runs as a team? I think that's in the realm of possibility. Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Sano comes back and he filters into this thing. Yeah. What, what's your best guess, Derek, about, I'll, I'll throw out a couple names at least, yeah. about um, Scope, Okay. who had a great year, what, two years ago now, dropped off badly last year, and, and thus the Twins got a good deal on him for this contract, and Buxton as well. But I, I do think the power is going to continue from sources. I, I just... Those are two guys, and I hope sources. And I hope that Buxton look. Oh, I, like I hope that. that Buxton has solved it. I hope that yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? If the kid hits two sixty five, that's fine. I mean, it's a great story. But what's your best guess about those two guys in particular? I do really like Scope. Um, I don't. I don't think he's like the best offensive second baseman in baseball. Sure, I, mean, I think that guy plays. But in do Houston. you think what he's doing now can? That he will, I should say, well, carry this out through the season. I should pull up their leaderboard. Because when Rami talks about them being a team that will only get better, now I can see one argument for that being, okay, Marwin Gonzalez can hit a little better. Uh, the 
Castro, Astadio, Garver trio is showing no signs of slowing down. Sano will come back, and that should help your lineup because you replace A. Ray Adrianza's bat with Miguel Sano. Like, that's big. But I also, I just see a number of guys that I don't quite think are as as good as they've been to date. I mean, going into yesterday's game, Jorge Polanco and Nelson Cruz were legitimately two of the top five hitters in the American League. Do I think both of those will continue? I don't think that's super likely. Will they both be top 25 hitters? Sure, they could do that. They could pull that off. But there's just hot stretches that I don't expect to continue for a full season. And I guess to Rami's point, like even with that, there is some sort of like seeker level element to this here. Some guys are going to get better. Miguel's going to get back. Some guys are going to come down a little bit. Where is this Twins offense as a whole? We'll probably have a better idea come July. Like July 1st, we'll know. The weather will be warmer. Guys will have started to seek their level. I, I don't know to the two that you asked, Buxton and Scope. I don't know if their final season stats are going to be higher than what they are right now. I guess my question on Buxton is pretty simple. Is there an adjustment that we think that the league is now going to make to his approach that would be successful against him? Yes. Because it's always adjustments. That's pro sports, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. always, and and there's always, guy comes up and lots of times is good. Adjustment made. He struggles. Now he adjusts. He's good again. And then another adjustment is made. And to me, that's the key point of the guy's career where he either adjusts back and is absolutely right. fine or struggles. Buxton's a little bit odd because the struggles have been for so long prior to this. Yeah. But is there something he's doing that teams are going to sit down in the next month or so and say, okay, here's the exploitable hole sure. in his swing? Well, let's just think out loud because the way I view Buxton's improvement here, it's that he's attacking hittable pitches early in counts. I think we've heard Morneau talk about this on the air. I think Roy Smalley brought it up with you guys. The aggressive mentality. Oh, there's a fastball and it's a 1-0 count? Mine. Not, well, all right, let's see what he's going to try to do to me. And what? And once I get to 0-2, what's, the, what's he going to try to, uh, I got to watch the breaking ball in the dirt. Like, stop thinking. Go find your pitch and hunt it and then do damage when you get that pitch. Now, if I'm an opposing pitcher and I see this guy starting to have success, my mind's going to go to one place. Oh, okay. Don't give him a cookie fastball early in the count. I think the way to get Buxton out right now is to get ahead of him with secondary stuff. If you can drop a slider over for a strike one, okay, now you're driving the count. Because now he hasn't seen the fastball. He knows you can throw the slider for a strike, so he has to keep that pitch in mind. If you have other weapons, awesome. Now you're in control of the at-bat. If you throw a fastball over, oh-oh, and it's, you know, somewhere that Buxton can handle it and he's going to hit it to left for a double, that's a bad outcome for a pitcher. I think the longer you see that trend continue for Buxton, the more you're going to see opposing pitchers really come at with a different approach. That's where I'm going to be fascinated to see the adjustment that you're talking about, Joe. I think that's the 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 Twins' offense as a whole. That's another place where we've seen a complete philosophical shift in terms of their plate approach. While you guys were talking about this, I happened to be looking at these numbers from uh, the Star Tribune's uh, I don't know if they call it five thoughts too, but they have like five thoughts about the the Minnesota Twins. You can they really you can read the original five thoughts at Score North, Curtis nice. Score North. Like Curtis Imitation, Wetmore, sincerest um, form of flattery. But Twins hitters last year uh, put the ball in play on the first pitch five hundred eighty five times last season, an average of three point six per game. Okay, this year that number has jumped to almost five times per game. Wow, and a pace for seven hundred ninety five first pitches put in play and they're doing damage on those pitches per baseball reference. The twins had a three Oh one average and 500 slugging percentage 
last season when they uh, swung on the first pitch or put the ball in play on the first pitch. This season, they're hitting 327 with a 636 slugging percentage mm. when putting the ball in play on Better the first hitters. pitch. Yeah. I mean, it could be that simple. Joe Maurer would take the first pitch every time. It's fine. This offense is the best I've seen in years for the Twins. So you just stack it with uh, Nelson Cruz and Eddie Rosario. It's good at bats. Hot and cold. It's veteran guys, too. Yeah, but you know what Max Kepler told me at the end of the last homestand, Judd? We were, we were talking about like being the leadoff hitter, and someone asked him about working the count. Um, I'm not sure if they were privy to those baseball reference stats that you just listed, Rami. Mm-hmm. But Kepler said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm hitting leadoff, but really that's like once a game that you're the leadoff hitter. But what he said was, there's more than one good. Or there's more than one way to have a good at bat, and I remember I just latched onto that because yes, if you go three two against Justin Verlander and foul off five pitches, you make him use his whole arsenal, and then you hit a screaming liner to the shortstop, and you were out. Well, that's a good at bat. You'll take that process every single time. If you get a cookie fastball on the first pitch, Mitch Garver, and line it out to left center field, like just a smoking rocket for a home run. That's also a pretty good plate appearance. You'll take that every time. I think that that largely depends, too, though, on the pitcher. Sure. And I'll go back to uh, Kepler's at bat, Verlander, Monday night game here, right? I want to say he struck out 10 pitches, though. Yeah. Yep. That's effective. Like, if you're going to strike out, that's smart. Now, if you're facing a third or fourth starter, that's fine. But I, I don't think the Twins like to talk about this much because they don't like to tell us about much now, which by the way is fine. Fine but, by me. Yeah. But I believe that there is a philosophy of approach to different pitchers as well. And Kepler has struck out at times and he gets done and you still say to yourself, that approach was really good though. Yeah. What you're trying to do. And if you go do, up there and flail away at three pitches yeah. and you're out, guess what? That's not effective. What you're trying to do, and this is super oversimplified from a guy who couldn't even hit in high school. So don't take this for no, what it's worth. At least you played in high school. <laughs> Till I kept sco- they, they asked me to stop. Yeah, I kept. They score. asked me to keep score. <laughs> I gave out a lot of errors too. You know why? High expectations. <laughs> High school kids make plays. If you can't make plays, get the hell off the field. Uh, I can see Judd just like ruining stats at his high school. The good old I, Benilde, Saint Margaret. I picture even like high school age Judd with his bifocals on the front of his nose, keeping yep. scores. I like wish I had had him angrily back putting down errors. A pot of coffee in his left hand. <laughs> I was a great stats guy. I believe it. I, I was believe a great it. and and. Of course, this is late 80s, so the stats weren't quite as sure. up-to-date as they are now. But This is an oversimplified um, idea of what you're trying to do. But like, I'd, I'd love to pick James Rawson's brain on this. But I, I think the way to think about it in the big leagues is get yourself into the best opportunity to succeed. And that sounds so vague, but what I mean is if you are a good fastball hitter and you get a fastball early in the count and it's a spot you can handle, go for it. If you're not a great fastball hitter, then maybe your approach is a little different. If you don't have the hands that Nelson Cruz has, maybe you're just going to say, okay, that fastball, that wasn't right where I wanted it, or it wasn't with two strikes. So I'd rather wait and see a higher percentage pitch that I can crush next time. It's like you live to see another pitch. What the Twins are doing right now, at least to my eye anyways, is finding that pitch, even if it's on the first or second pitch of a plate appearance, they find that pitch, hunt it, and then do damage. And they're doing that one through nine. Think about this, though, guys. Lineup construction, okay? Buxton continues to bat ninth and will be left there yes, because it suits him right now for the big picture perfectly. Kepler, you now see why they like Kepler 
in the uh, batting first because Max Kepler is going to give you a very good quality at bat. He might not, you know what he does not do? He does not fit the old parameters of how we thought about that position in the order. But what he does do is he gives you a really good at bat. And so Buxton, by hitting where he is, is essentially put into the best position possible to succeed that the Twins right now can give him. I said that if if Buxton keeps hitting the way he was hitting, that he had to get moved up in the lineup, and I still believe that to some degree. But where are you going to put him? I don't. That's what I was just going to say. I don't feel as strongly about it because Derek, you and I have talked about our our shared theory of lineup construction, which is basically put, put your best hitters <laughs> yeah. at the top of the lineup, get, <laughs> right, okay. and give them as many plate appearances as they can get. Yeah. Sim- simple math. Put your best hitters up there as often as you can, yep. and that will yield the best results possible. And you're right; they're just. When you look at this lineup, there aren't a lot of guys who Byron Buxton should be bumping down in the order. He he, he as good as he's been, and and for the step that he's taken this year in his development, mm-hmm. he's not at a point yet where he warrants dropping Kepler or Rosario or yeah. Polanco or Cruz in the batting order. And I don't want to see it go the other way too. I don't want to see oh hey you are doing well, so here we're going to bump you up and you're going to hit sixth now. And then start thinking, oh well, now I'm sixth. Okay, so I gotta, I right. gotta do damn. No, stop! Don't think. Just find your pitch and hit it. Right. And that's what he's doing right now. For the most part, you're still gonna get some strikeouts with Buck. You're still not gonna have elite contact or power. But what he's doing right now is working. I say leave it alone. The Twins are doing a very good job of in in player personnel right now, putting their employees in a in a spot to succeed. Exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. To right. me, they're to me they're looking at strengths weaknesses, how much they can help you, and then saying individually to each one, we're going to put you in the best position possible to to succeed. We're not going to be concerned about the team itself. We're going to be concerned about the players that make up that team in order to have success. It's kind of self-fulfilling. Like It's, it's a cycle. It's a, new, it's a winning cycle. It's a new age of thinking, but sports-wise, it's actually very smart. And it looked, It's what the Wolves, are, I think, are going to try to do now. Sure. What you just said makes a ton of sense for a hitter because it's a one-on-one matchup with the pitcher, and if the hitter succeeds, it's good for the team. But they're not just doing that for hitters. Yep. You're talking about everybody. No, it's doing that for starting pitch. pitchers. They're doing that for relievers. Hey, Blake Parker, we need you to throw the seventh today because these are your best matchups with your split fastball. We want you to have those righties. Okay. Yes, sir. And credit to the players who are, you know, saying, yes, that sounds good. I'll do this. Um, but also credit to Rocco Baldelli and his staff for saying, this would be the best spot for you, Trevor May. Go do it. Instead of saying, like, well, you're our seventh inning guy, so we right. hope the right matchups come in the seventh inning. The most, no, they're hunting matchups with the bullpen. The most frustrating thing in sports is to hear executives or coaches say, this way works because I know it works. That's right, because I said so. That's a bullheaded, it's the parenting dumb, thing. But, but that's an old school thing. It's the parenting it's, thing. It's still true to this day Why do I have to do football? this? Why do I have we to do this? About this? Because I said so. Yeah. Well, what? But it makes no sense. That's right. And what the Twins, I think this starts with Derek Falvey. I could be wrong, but I think it starts with him. Where, why should I do this? If I can't tell you why you should do it, I shouldn't expect you to do it. Oh, why should I uh, Why should I ditch my change up in favor of slider? Well, here's why. We think no one can touch your slider and it give you a third pitch and a weapon and you'd be better against lefties and righties. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to do that then. You're you're way, way more willing to go along with that sort of guidance if you know what's going to help you and they can tell you why it's going to help you. Did you ever question your parents when they said, because I said so? Constantly. Yes, constantly. I did until my mom looked at me like, 
That should probably be the last time you ask me that. <laughs> yeah. No, back in the seventies that wasn't that wasn't a smart move. I was that I was, was a losing play as the kids say today. Yeah, I wasn't the greatest, most well behaved. Yeah, but you're a, a kid of the nineties. Yeah. Oh, all bets were off by then. You guys pushed your parents around. In my day, it was the old school. Scotty Bowman, Lombardi, they ran households, okay? The, twi- the Twins are doing a lot of smart things, a lot of things that it seems like they're ahead of the game, not just on the field, but in terms of getting you to go out to Target Field. We'll discuss some of that right after this. It's the Score North first place Twins show on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ready? Here's the turn, the kick, and the 2-2 delivery is swung on and missed on a breaking ball in the dirt. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And tonight, on May 7th, 2019, he has done it for the Oakland A's. <laughs> Did he forget what year it was? I think he might have, yeah. 2009. I've done that sometimes. Teen. <laughs> hey, it's tough when you get old. That was I'm not Mike, even that old. That was Mike Fires of the A's throwing a no-hitter in the middle of the night in Oakland. His second no-hitter of his career, and uh, putting a roof on it wouldn't have prevented that delay. It was a power outage at the Oakland Coliseum mm. that delayed the game well into the... I think they didn't start that game until 8.40 you local see, time. Yeah, that's mm. right. Roofs are overrated. <laughs> yeah, even with well, the roof. the Oakland Coliseum is a complete joke that shouldn't be standing, but that's a whole different topic. And if they get a new stadium... They actually, damn well better put a roof actually, on Actually, they're it. not going to. Yeah, no, they're going to build a nice little boutique ballpark if they get their stadium. It's going to be fantastic, and I might go. I think the bigger news that's bigger than Mike Fires throwing a no-hitter was that it was not a no-hitter thrown against the Tampa Bay Rays because they seem to be the only team that gets no-hitters thrown against them like five or six times in well, the last ask, decade. Ask Judd, and it doesn't matter that there was a no-hitter. You know what? It's anyway, the first no of the year. It's fine. They're nothing. I was going to say, it <laughs> was two fine. years ago, Judd said they're too commonplace. They, you don't see no-hitters anymore. Ma- yeah. Do you know why? Because nobody throws complete game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. The most incredible no-hitter statistic, though, to this day, I think, is the fact that the San Diego Padres, an expansion team in 1969, still have never had one. Yeah. Like, how do you yeah. not stumble into one? The Mets finally did. With Yo per Johan through seven hundred pitches and it ruined his career, but at least they stumbled into one. San Diego Padres have never had one. Cubs didn't have one for a long time. I don't remember exactly right? how many years until Zambrano did it at Miller Park, and then Arietta had two of them in a two in a one year. Do you hear he's attempting a comeback? Carlos Zambrano, yeah, minor he, league baseball. He never gives it up, does he? He's been attempting. Well, he's only he's like thirty seven years old. I, just, I thought he was going to be fifty seven oh, wow. when I heard him start talking about the story. He's a pastor now. Is that right? And he's mellowed out, apparently. Oh, I'll is that what the whole... I, see it on I the was going to say, is that what the whole sales pitch is <laughs> yeah, now? I think so. I found God, and yeah. therefore I don't flip my lid now. Okay. He built a Which church. Thing? That's all I got to say. <laughs> see, Manny, I knew you'd have that one ready. <laughs> <laughs> all I heard was Carlos Zambrano. He went on. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, I mentioned uh, in the last segment, going into the break, that the Twins aren't just doing some innovative stuff on the field to uh, garner some success, but now yeah. they're trying to do some... Innovative stuff off the field. Right now, the Twins rank number 23 in Major League Baseball attendance, despite having the best record in all of baseball in the first. Obviously, they sit atop the AL Central in first place. Less than 17,000 fans per game showing up at Target Field. And 
if you look at it on TV, it is far less. That's the paid attendance. It's yeah. far less than that, people who are actually showing up. So yesterday, they announced that since they can't put a roof on it, the way that they're going to try and get people into Target Field is they're going to start selling tickets starting at $5 with no processing fees available for seats in the uh, home run porch and grandstand seating areas and can be purchased as of 6 p.m. last night through uh, 10 p.m. on Thursday morning. Just go to twinsbaseball.com to do so. I hope Twins fans are going to take advantage yeah, of this because it's the, a flash sale. the attendance numbers have been, I'm going to say embarrassing for the Minnesota Twins. Sure. For a team that's playing as well as they're playing this deep into the season, and it appears pretty evident to most people that this is real, they're at least going to be in, in the hunt for something throughout the course of this season. Yeah. To have less than 17,000 in paid attendance is is embarrassing. Well, they're going to win the American League Central. Yes. That's looking like that right yes. now. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't blame fans who are staying away by any means. Like, it's all a product of what have you done for me lately. And I mean, like, the last three to five years lately. And as Carlos Zambrano once said about his famous Chicago Cubs, we stinks. The twins have been bad. That's all I got to say. (laughs) Thank you, Carlos. For for years. And there was a pop-up season. It went to the wild card game. Great. But that's not enough to spawn a generation of Twins fans. I low-key think that this is a genius-level move for the Twins to sell tickets. I think it's you can buy them today, and then you mentioned tomorrow is the end of the sale. I think you can buy all May home game tickets for that 5 bucks a pop, no fee. And I think it's brilliant. I, I, I would say keep that around. There should be sections that are $5 or $10 or whatever for the full year. Because you want one outfield section completely filled of recklessly drinking, crazy, supportive. If they can afford a drink. Sure. Let's drop those beer prices next, okay, for craft beer? I, I, <laughs> I would Saint start Peter, with we that. Got, you know what? I, I would I would drop that. Because you got the $5 buds and Bud Lights at that one uh, concession yeah. stand. And how I'd much, like to see. How much do you need to make on a can of craft beer well, let's to go make down it to worth eight. it? Let's go down to well, you probably, oh, geez, with what you get that stuff at. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you probably could charge five bucks for it. But I'm saying, let's go down to eight. So, so Derek, what you're saying is you want, like, the Randy Quaid's in Major League sitting well, out in left field? It doesn't have to be, like, it doesn't have <laughs> no, to be, like, soccer hooligan yeah, crazies. True. I want... Don't say soccer hooligans. They don't exist here. In St. Paul? No, no. We are home you of the, the Wonder Wall? where the... Those are not hooligans. <laughs> those are very nice people. All right, well. Those are very nice people, and we're team partners. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I don't think that's Derek, offensive. That was Derek Wetmore. <laughs> that's right. All right, I'll clean out my desk. Derek Wetmore just called Loons fans hooligans. All right, I'll clean out my desk. <laughs> I think this is a brilliant move for the Twins to sell tickets for five bucks for what is it? Home games through the end through of the end May. of May. Yeah, because if this thing is for real, if this Twins team is going to October, and I think that it is, you want a generation an age group of Twins fans to be bought in as early as possible. I don't think that the goal is to sell out the stadium necessarily. This would probably help with that, you would think. I think that the goal is to have a bunch of people in there and thinking about buying a Williams Astadio jersey or thinking about buying concessions or overpriced craft beer, as Judd mentioned, or just 
watching the Twins for the rest yeah, of the year. just getting a taste of it. You are now, if you're in, like, look, I'm wearing my Spurs shirt right now. Tottenham Hotspur, we got a big game coming up today. I literally thought he was talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Champions I was like, League. That's not a semifinal. You don't know that. It, it, it like. could be like their 10th jersey. Second League, too. This is our third jersey, actually. Oh, but God. I look at it and They're I say, kits, a year ago. Oh, and by, by the way, the Twins, that new jersey that you've got, we got to work with that. A I year ago, I would not I have bought this. I But now I'm in. I'm a Spurs fan. It's a fun marketing? team. Why am I not hired? You should be. Why in fact, am I not you should be marketing? running the department. Why you am I not running things. this team? I mean, I'm friends with Dave. Yeah, I, but the baseball guys are doing a pretty good job right now, I would say. Well, no, but you could bounce things, things off, well. but you could bounce things off me. So you. if you bring people well, into Target Field and they get a little, as Rami says, taste for what it is to be a Twins fan for a first place Twins team yes, that's ten enough. games over five hundred. Boom. Go to now, the Burrios starts. That's my advice. That's right. Go and to, by the way, let's give him credit. Jose Burrios is an, Jose Barrios is a legitimate ace. Let's give this yes. kid credit. He's Done. had some he's had some less than stellar starts in which he just turns it around. Yep. For all we complain about Sano and Buxton or have complained, Jose Barrios, congratulations, gents. This guy's an ace. He's arrived and so have the twins. It's been a really fun start to the year, and I'm glad they're capitalizing on it. If you miss this or if you miss any portion of this show, Score North Twins, wherever you download podcasts, or go get that Score North app and subscribe to all our twins. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.